Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavruta Yardena Azband, our daf of the day, Masachet Gitin, daf pei hey, pei hey, 85. We are coming very close to the end of Masachet Gitin. We're coming very close to the end of Seder Nashim. We just have that one Masachet left. Kiddushin, please join us for our Siyum on Sunday, August 13th, 5 p.m. Israel time, 10 a.m. Eastern Seaboard of the U.S. Um, you can figure out the time zones wherever else you are. Uh, we ask that you register. The link is found on our Facebook page and our WhatsApp group. If you're on the list served, you can ask us for us. You know, you just get in touch with us and we'll be happy to provide it. And also, if you have words of reflection on Masachid Gitin, I feel like there's so much to think about, to talk about. Um, we would very much like for you to share those words with our, you know, whoever comes to the seum, and then, of course, whoever is able to watch it afterwards. Um, but we do think that, I don't know, I feel like, Yardina, the, the co-learners, our co-learners have so much richness in their takes on what we have, are all learning. I feel like everybody benefits when we can talk about it you know, in the group. Um, we also oh, have... Absolutely, a- absolutely, absolutely. I mean, part of what's interesting to me to do this podcast is to hear from the co-learners. And right? W- learn from, like, what other people think about. A hundred percent. So, and the other thing, of course, is that we have this Toemani, uh, Rivka Lubitsch, who is coming to speak to us. She's going to speak to us in part about some of the special details that can happen, um, both to the good and to the complicated, let's say, in the modern incarnation of how we give Gittin Jewish divorce um, in the modern setting. Um, meaning some of it, when I say some of it is complicated, that shouldn't surprise anybody. You've been paying attention to these dapim. Um, and then also, if you know anything about modern politics in Israel and the Rabbanut, of course, it's complicated. It's towards the top of a madalaf. Hare at muteret l'chol adam. So what happens? We have here a case of a man who says to a husband who says to his wife, as he gives her this get, right? Here with this get, you are now going to be permitted to any man, except, and here are the list of the exceptions that he makes, except to my father or to your father. You can't marry my brother. You can't marry your brother. You can't marry a slave. You can't marry a non-Jew. You can't marry anyone who you cannot legally marry. Then the divorce is valid, meaning all of these conditions are utterly and ridiculously superfluous, but the fact that they're present in the get does not disqualify it, meaning they are stipulations that are accurate. She She cannot marry her father. She cannot marry his father or her brother and so on, right? So You might think that once we've said that, you know, having conditions is a problem, that we're going to say that having conditions that are true and accurate are a problem. And the answer seems to be, I don't think anybody's going to recommend that they should be, you know, included in the get. But it's, it's not, it's just meaningless. It it doesn't invalidate the get in any way. However, if the condition were as follows, the stipulation were as follows, you know, he's giving her the get, he says, you can marry any man, you know, any man out there, except for when the person she would marry would do the following various different prohibitions. For example, it would be if she were then going to be a widow marrying the Kohen Gadol. Now, 
this I find to be actually puzzling because she's already going to be a divorcee, right? Like by virtue of this divorce kicking in, she shouldn't be able to marry a regular coin either, not just a coin guttel, because she's going to be a divorcee. But the idea here is to find these relationships that are difficult relationships where Kedushin does not necessarily um, take effect. And under those circumstances, again, specifically a widow to the Kohen Gadol, a divorcee or Yevama, or someone who's done Chalitza to a Kohen Hedyot, a Mamzeret or a Givoni, right? Nitin, we've talked about regular Israel, Israel woman who's married to a Mamzer or Givoni. And likewise, any legally become she can legally marry, except for that the marriage itself would be an Avera, would be a transgression, meaning the marriage kick in, it would work, but that doesn't mean it's the right, it's a union that's sanctioned. And so therefore, the divorce that stipulates that she go I'm reminded, your Dana, of the case of the pig, right? The eating pork, you know, which, you know, technically she could say that the, she can do it and then she'll have to deal with the violation, but she'll also then be able to be divorced. In the, this divorce is pasul. It's not valid. It will not work to divorce them to begin with. The whole idea that this is, that his statement is going to function as a divorce as long as she's not permitted to marry these people who are... That, I mean, she can't marry these people whom she's not technically allowed to marry to begin with. It, it doesn't work. The the It's not considered a nonsense addition to the get. It's considered something that actually invalidates it. We come to the Gemara and we... Of course, on the phrasing of the mission itself. So what happens? We is a pretty general statement, right? Namely, anybody to whom she can can legally become betrothed or married, right? That's going to then come to include everybody else. All the other um, potential relationships where an obligation of karit, meaning. If she goes to marry her father, she can't go marry her father. That's a that's a violation in a very serious way. These these lists that seem to be very precise and include you know in stipulating all of the cases that could possibly be. The answer is no. At the end of each of them, right? Anybody who would be prohibited to her in this kind of way. So the first half is about. You know, Isurei Karit, where the punishment would be Karit. And the second half, where the where the Kiddushin does not take effect, there's still a concern that there's a violation of a love, of a mitzvah lotase, a negative commandment, such as, and then we've got more lists here, where it makes it clear that what's in the Mishnah is a principle and some listing, as compared to um, listing everybody. Okay, so even at that very level, like to make sure that the Gemara wants to make sure that that the Mishnah is not being um, word of it being so um, dafka, so precise that it lists all of the cases. No, no, it's giving us the general principles for when the it would not. Um, okay, I'm actually going to stop here. There's good, interesting discussion here between Rav and Rav Nachman about exactly, you know, these all of these different cases where the prohibition to marry, like where where the <laughs> where the stipulation for the get to take effect in uh, 
requirement that she not marry the people that she couldn't have married to begin with. Um, and they're going to hash it out. Your Dana? All right, I'm going to move on to the next Mishnah. Gufo shall get. Haray Admu Teret So this Mishnah basically is going to tell us, like, what's the essence of the get itself? And it has to say that you are permitted to marry any man. You're permitted to any man. Rabbi Hudomer, the Danes, Ahave Lichi, Mane, Sefer, Teruchin, the Iger, Shibukin, the Get Piturin, the Mahach, Lichit, Nasaba, Lachol, Gavar, Debitzin. All right, so this is an Aramaic. And he thinks that what it needs to say is, and this you shall have for me a scroll of divorce and a letter of leave and a bill of dismissal to go to marry any man you wish. Gufo shall get shichror. And now they're talking about the get shichror. Remember, we're back to talking about slaves, that a slave, when they were freed, also needed an emancipation, or, um, or you'll see in some of the English translation, a manumission uh, bill. Hare at or bat ben hurin, that you are free. Hare at latzmech or you are on your own. And that's, you know, so essentially what this mission does is it boils down these type of documents that sever a relationship, what's the essential phrasing that it needs to say. And the Gemara starts off by saying, right, it's obvious that if you just, if a husband just says to his wife, you're here by a free woman, it's like he stayed in nothing, right? It's not like he said anything. That's not a statement of divorce. If he said to his maid service, it also would be, you know, you're permitted to marry anyone. It's just if he stated nothing. So in other words, what they're saying that's obvious here is, is that the formulation for each other case is also not a good formulation. You can't say to a wife what you would say to your maid servant or your maid service, what you need to say with your wife. Amar Lalisha. Right. If he says in this get for his wife, right. But what if he uses that second option they gave of what you could say to a maidservant? Right. You are your own. Mahu. Would this halachically be OK? Is he saying to her, you're on your own, uh, entirely on your own, meaning she has full control of her status, can marry whoever she wants? Or is she saying that just in terms of her work? meaning that she can keep the revenue from her work. And if that's the case, then it would not be a get. So it's kind of an interesting question because what the Gemara is basically doing is it's essentially saying that, yes, the mission is putting together the two cases of, you know, a get of, uh, of, of marriage, right? A get of divorce with a get shichur, but the phraseology are specific to those cases. And they're using as a test case, this one phrase of harait atlat smech, you are to yourself, to decide whether or not it could be used for a divorce. And so the Gemara is going to go on from there to try to explain it uh, a little bit better and, and, uh, and you know, tr- try to deep dive on that. Um, the rest of the Gemara, I'm not going to read how they actually do that. Uh, the other thing that's interesting is, is then just in terms of Rabbi Yehuda's opinion in the Mishnah and what he adds to it, right? Rabbi Yehuda, Omer, B'dain, Dahabe, Leike, right? He had this whole thing that you have to say, and this that you sh- shall have for me is a scroll of divorce and a letter, the garret of leave, right? But my kamafligi. So the question is, what is Rabbi Yehuda and the rabbis disagreeing about? Like, why is the ra- the rabbi's version, you know, of saying you're permitted to any man? Why is that not good enough, right? Rabbanan sabr yadaim shein mulchichot haben yadaim ba'avah gab zelok tavla v'dain milsa de gita kam 
right? The rabbis basically say that even if something is ambiguous, it's still valid, right? So in other words, even though that could be like an incomplete sentence where it says you're permitted to any man, it's enough, it's enough there, even though it could be a little bit vague or it's incomplete, it's enough there to make the attention clear from the context. So even if he doesn't write to her explicitly, and this is your get, it's, you know, and this is your letter of leave, it's, it's clear from that, you know, from that phrasing that he is actually divorcing her. But Rabbi Yehuda holds that when something is ambiguous, right, then it's not valid. And so therefore he wants it to say Vidain. It has to say in this, right? This is the scroll and the letter of, of leave so that it's clear that he's divorcing her with this, uh, this the get. And if he doesn't write to her in this, then somebody could say that he divorced her orally, right? And that he never actually gave her a get itself. And they may think that, and so the document is there to actually be evidence of that, you know? Uh, and, and, and so the issue here is, is that it may still be, it's, it's too vague for it to be clear what the intention um, actually was, right? Because in other words, it may say that you're waiting for that get to, for that document to actually uh, come to her and it was only an oral divorce. Um, and then from there, the Gemara goes on, Abai is going to give a list of certain things that you shouldn't put in the get because it could be confusing about what exactly it means. But it's an interesting machlokas between the rabbis and, and uh, Rabbi Yehuda, sort of like how clear does the intention have to be? And according to Rabbi Yehuda, it needs to be pretty clear. It actually really needs to be all spelled out. I mean, that would be nice. I think, right, part of what happens, all of these complications comes when the intent is not always all spelled out. Of course, that's what we want. I know that's like a flippant comment, but I think that it's part of the challenge of the Gittin. Oh, 100%. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see you know, how this is going to, how this, it, it, this is one of those Gemars where you read it and you're like, shouldn't that have been at the beginning of the Masah? <laughs> you're getting, but, but we know to expect this. It makes sense actually that it comes at the end. Like after all our discussion, then the Mishnah gets to what's the real essence of the get itself. That's our that discussion for the day. Thank you for joining us. Rank us, review us where you get your podcast. Come talk to us on our Facebook page and tell us what you think of this stuff. Thank you to Rebbe Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. And until tomorrow, go and learn.